Welcome to episode 49 of Vibrant Life. My name is Jessica Parker. I am a holistic health coach with a master's in health psychology as well as a fitness instructor. So it is almost 2023. Um, today is Friday the 30th. So along those lines, I think um, I am actually not a resolution person. I never have been. I'm not sure if I've ever set a New Year's resolution. But the reason is not because I don't believe in, you know, making goals and, you know, aiming for something better, but I believe in doing it all the time. So I also believe in, you know, making like smaller changes and building upon those. So this episode is perfect for that because I really do believe this is something everybody should do in terms of better health and it's switching up or taking out the industrial seed oils out of your diet. So what I wanted to, to talk about really is diving into why, because I think a lot of people hear that these days, like canola, soy, corn, like don't eat those, but why, and then where are they? Because they're in way more places than you might think. So I have to step back a little bit and give a little more history uh, beyond even industrial seed oils. So in the late 1800s, you'll probably recognize the names Procter & Gamble. These men were uh, working together in business and I can't remember if they were brothers or not. Anyway, they were making soap and candles using cottonseed oil. And you know, if you're business minded, you're always like, how else can we get a buck out of this product or the byproduct from making this product. And that's exactly what they did. They realized that they could use a chemical process to come up with a partially hydrogenated oil from the cottonseed oil, which made it shelf stable. And it was great for baking. You got flakier pie crusts. It was great for frying foods with. And because people associated it with plants, you just think green, natural, you know, whatever. And um, it was cheap. People started using that and that's what Crisco was. That's how Crisco was born, essentially. So basically out of the garbage byproduct, right? And so that went on for years until, and the American Heart Association um, actually donated $1.5 million to Procter & Gamble in 1948. So I just want to pause really quick. So this is very important. I know I'm just kind of like spewing information out, but it's so important to recognize, okay, this is business. It's business. It's business. It's not about health. It's about business. And so you have these guys who are like, how can we make more money? And then the American Heart Association came into it in 1924 and they gave money to Procter and Gamble and therefore like science goes out the window and it's you you get messages you get advertising you know everybody gets on board and that's when it becomes a thing and nobody questions it anymore right well um moving on again a little more history before we really get to what we have now for oil in 1958 Ansel Keys you may have heard of the seven country study that he did and that involved Greece, Italy, Spain, South Africa, Japan, and Finland. And he basically was trying to examine the dietary pattern um, of these countries and then the prevalence of coronary heart disease. So he was like, how does dietary fat influence blood cholesterol and heart disease? And uh, he observed that places like 
observed that places like Japan ate lower fat and therefore lower saturated fat diets, had less heart disease, and then you take a place like Finland where there's lots of cheese and butter, they had more heart disease, A plus B equals C, right? Or so he thought. And um, that's when the recommendation for a diet of 30% or less in your calorie, your total daily intake of calories come from fat going right into the low-fat, fat-free craze, right? Well, a lot of scientists were actually concerned about his study in terms of, well, okay, correlation does not equal causation, correct? And so there, there wasn't a lot of research. There needed, there needed to be a lot more research, a lot more lab work, um, but the ball was rolling. In addition, there were many other countries, I don't know how many, but there were other countries in this study and he's been criticized for cherry picking. So essentially it went from however many countries he included to the seven, these seven countries, because basically it proved his, the point he was trying to make. So that's not how we do science <laughs> in case anybody is wondering, but that's what he did. And everybody got on board, the medical industry, the food industry, insurance, and then again, it's like, you know, mainstream media advertisements and everybody just follows suit. Oh, they all must know what they're talking about, right? When in the, like in reality, it comes from money. So fast forward, you know, saturated fat has been, has since been exonerated in a lot of literature, but it's still a message out there. You still hear doctors and, and people all the time talk about how bad fat is, how bad saturated fat is. So this story, you know, is it's not just this like streamlined journey. It's very kind of convoluted and you have like the saturated fat, trans fats, the vegetable oils, the animal fats. So um, in this process, then, you know, saturated fats were being demonized. Um, they took coconut oil out of movie theater popcorn um, and replaced it with vegetable oils. French fries, even at McDonald's, used to be in, fried in um, beef tallow. And that moved to vegetable oils, like everything. Now, basically, you go to a restaurant and your food is cooked in vegetable oils. You just know that, right? I mean, it's rare. It's kind of becoming, you see it every once in a while now, but you have to look for it and you have to ask um, but primarily, you're, you find vegetable oils, that, especially fried foods, um, dressings and all that. However, so after like decades of being told trans fats were fine, then studies started to come about in the 90s that trans fats were actually doubling the risk for heart disease. So let's just pause again because people say all the time, the science is settled. Well, the science told us one thing and then, you know, years go on and then you have, you have evidence to research and there you go, right? So in 2013, the FDA actually removed the partially hydrogenated oils from the list of, there's, um, it's called GRAS, G-R-A-S, gen generally regarded or recognized as safe foods. Um, they removed it from that list. So we had, had it on there for decades and um, then you don't see trans fats really anymore, right? So from there we morph into industrial seed oils. So we're still wanting like cheap ways to make oils and to preserve foods, you know, and have them shelf stable and all that. And so we have 
oils that come from corn. We have canola, which comes from rapeseed. Um, we have safflower. We have all these oils, soybean oil, and they're just trying to make a lot and make them cheaply. And, and when you walk through the grocery store, down the aisles, you see it everywhere. You see it in your crackers and cookies and, you know, basically all, all those boxed foods, but also all your dressings and your mayonnaise. You really have to look and you also have to be careful because you can see on the front of a label avocado oil or, or olive oil, but then you turn it around and it might have avocado oil, it might have um, olive oil in it, but it also has the other things in it. Because again, they're trying to save a buck. They're trying to um, put these things out there for cheap. And so they'll basically greenwash the label, which just means they're telling you what you wanna hear and hoping you don't know a thing or two and turn it around and actually look at the ingredients. So why are these oils bad for our health? Well, these oils are super sensitive and vulnerable to things like heat, light, and air. To take these seeds that these oils come from and process them so you get this like beautiful looking oil in the bottle at the store, they have to go through processes that involve all that stuff. So it starts with, you know, you gather the seeds and then use very, very high heat um, to process the seeds. And then they're um, put through this petroleum-based solvent in order to like get out as much oil as possible. Again, getting more bang for their buck, right? Um, these things are causing oxidation, which think of like um, rusty pipes as oxidation and then think of your body as you're thinking of the rusty pipes. Um, they then use chemicals to deodorize the oils. And then from that, um, they use more chemicals to change the color so that you open this bottle, you see this nice, you know, usually there's like this golden hue to it, to the oils and there's like no odor. Well, they weren't born that way. <laughs> they were put through all these processes. What happens if you're doing all these things, putting all these thing, oxidized things into your body, um, you are putting damaged molecules into your body that then cause inflammation within our bodies. In addition, so we, it's important that we in our diet have a balance between omega-6 fatty acids and omega-3 fatty acids. Well, omega-6 comes from all these like nuts and seeds and things like that, which in their whole food forms is good. However, we want more omega-3. Like I'm sure everybody's thinking, oh yeah, like fish, fish oils, you know, we want, we need more omega-3 than omega-6. And with the way we're eating so many processed foods and eating out all the time, and there's just um, basically omega-6 oils in everything now, that ratio is off balance by just exponentially, not just a little bit, like it's so off balance. And that's just one more way that we are getting all this inflammation within our bodies. Well, inflammation, like if you get a cut or something, you know, and all the white blood cells go in, it's like the little soldiers go in to fix the problem and you get some redness and you might get a little heat. That's good, but it's, 
it's this very acute like, oh my gosh, emergency. They all go in, fix the problem, they're gone, everything goes back to its homeostasis, like balance, right? But what we're doing is causing all of this constant inflammation by adding all of this stuff and everything's a cluttered mess. And what happens when you have chronic inflammation in your body is you get things like um, autoimmune conditions, rheumatoid arthritis, you get gut dysfunction, you get mental health issues from inflammation, you get high cholesterol, you get all sorts of problems. And then people um, tend to point the finger in other, other directions and or medicate it. So we're um, basically, <laughs> you know, doing this, like putting this poison into our bodies every single day, all day long. So it's not just about going to your kitchen and removing that oil, like the canola oil. Oh my gosh. If you still have that in your cupboard, get it out. It's not just about that though. Um, and I'm going to have a link to some things that I personally use to cook with. Um, but you also need to be paying attention to the boxes that are coming into your home. And I would also highly recommend if you're an eating out all the time type of person, this is a good reason to cut down on that. There's a lot of good reasons to cut down on that, but that's a very good reason because I could almost guarantee that you're getting those oils in your foods. So again, unless you're at this, you know, dining at this super cool restaurant that gets it, um, and then you're probably gonna be paying a little more money for it as well. So, if there's one thing that I'm gonna encourage you to do to start off the new year, it's gonna be that. And it's a huge thing. And we vote with our dollar. The more of us make the switch, then the more the um, food industry changes. I mean, you are seeing it already. You know, like I said, with dressings and mayonnaise and, and things like that, you see them reacting in a way where they're like, oh, this is important to them. So we better produce it, right? They're not all doing it correctly absolutely get it and that's them taking advantage of us and hoping that we don't do our research by saying oh it's made with avocado oil well that doesn't mean it has all good stuff in it it just means it has avocado oil in it in addition to all the bad stuff but you can find the good ones again i will link to um where some of the brands that i use and trust um and another thing is I cook a lot with butter, just grass-fed sources, you know, so you're you're not getting um, the inflammation, the inflammatory influence also by grain-fed. That's for another Dr. Phil show, but I use um, butter, I use lard, I, I use um, bacon grease. Um, if you are sensitive to dairy, then ghee tends to be a really good one and it's just clarified butter so the milk solids are removed from it so typically people who cannot have dairy can use ghee and the benefits to that also even if you're not sensitive to dairy um, are that it's shelf stable it can just sit on your counter and it also has a higher smoke point which means you can use it to cook at higher temperatures and it's not going to damage the molecules in that ghee so I like it. It has kind of a nutty flavor, but um, that's just one more option. So get rid of the canola, safflower, you know, soy, all of that garbage. Get rid of that. Start looking at your labels and your body's going to thank you so much. So thank you for hanging out with me. Um, speaking of things like tallow, which I really tried to 
um, have more of like a nose to tail lifestyle um, in terms of my nutrition, um, but I also apply it to other areas. So um, if you don't, if you haven't heard me talk about it yet, I make this um, tallow body butter. And so I actually take the fat um, from beef, grass-fed and finished, no added hormones or antibiotics, and I render that, I purify it a couple times over and, until all I have is this beautiful white solid fat. And then I add almond oil and essential oils to it and make this awesome body butter, which this one is, um, I wish you could smell it, bergamot vanilla, and it's one of my favorites. Obviously I've been using it. I put it on my face, I put it on my whole body. When I get out of the shower in the morning, um, put it on my lips. It's so wonderful. I've had people just tell me how much it's helped, you know, with some of the skin issues they have. And the reason for that is because the tallow is more like our skin at a molecular level. Therefore, it's going to do a better job of absorbing and uh, penetrating those cells and really moisturizing again at a cellular level. So you can use um, my code podcast 10 to get 10% off your order in my store, which will be um, in the show notes. All right, you guys. Well, happy new year. And if you make some of these changes in your life, in your diet, I would love to hear about it. You can find me at thatvibrantlife.com, Facebook, That Vibrant Life, and Instagram, that underscore vibrant life.